We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what is up green bay packers fans welcome back to another edition of the pack a day podcast uh, this is going to be a little bit different. If you've been listening all week, obviously the uh, the crews have been changed up a little bit, and I could not be more excited with what we are going to have for you guys on Tuesdays now. Um, it will be myself, uh, your host, Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter, at Jacob Morley. Um, we will be with the one and only Ross Uglum as well. He is still going to be with me. Find him on Twitter, at Ross Uglum. And we are adding... None other than the man, the myth, the legend, one of the other 500 Jacobs that works that pack a day podcast, Jacob Westendorf, the owner, editor, publisher of Game On Wisconsin. Jacob and Ross are two people that I talk to about sports and football, probably about as much as, as anyone on this planet. So it is super exciting to have both of them on the podcast and let you guys kind of peek behind the curtain of some of the things that we talk about, but Jacob, I'm staring at you right in the face, my man. How are you feeling today? I've, I mean, it's been a rough patch for anybody who follows me on social media and such, but uh, today was a little bit better than yesterday. So I guess that's a positive not to completely be a downer, I guess, but that's just kind of the situation I'm in right now, but it's good to be here. Uh, we've talked about setting up this group in particular for a long time. I've podcasted with both of you separately, but I've never been teamed up with you guys uh, at the same time uh, for anything longer than you know one pod here or there. So now that this is our pseudo permanent team moving forward, I'm I'm excited. Like I said, and like you said, we talk to each other a lot, so I feel like that's going to happen even more. Now you're dumb enough to go on and get married and everything like that, so. Hopefully that doesn't slow things down on that end of things, but no, congratulations to you and your <laughs> lovely bride to be. I don't think I've seen you since that happened. So um, no, that was cool. And uh, yeah, we've got, I'm thankful the Packers gave us uh, some news to talk about today. So I, I told them I would appreciate that from now until July, please. And thank you. 
Yeah, they definitely uh, hired a new coach today that I'm sure you guys are all familiar with. We will talk about that today as we get into it. That's the second thing on our rundown. And if Ross ever does join us, he'll be here uh, probably for the third segment, I would guess. Um, I, you know, we we open it with all that stuff and then Ross isn't even here yet. <laughs> Classic. Right. Uh, but Ross is actually covering an NDSU basketball game right now. And they just had one of the, the most wild finishes I think you will ever see in basketball. So uh, he he is uh, part of all that right now, and he will join us. Um, but before he even gets here, Jacob, we're going to talk about the last thing we're going to talk about, and he probably will be here for that part, is All-Star Game winners. And what do you think the over-under chances are that he brings up at least two NDSU football players? Oh, God, that's uh, – I mean, <laughs> come on. Hammer the over. Hammer, hammer, the hammer the over. I will tell you one thing. Ross is a lot of things. And one of the things I appreciate about him the most is that he admits he's an unabashed Homer when it comes to NDSU and the Packers specifically able to be objective if necessary. Um, but I will say this when it comes to winning and losing, uh, you don't really have to be all that objective with NDSU. Cause if you say they're the best, you're right. They are a dynasty to defeat any and all dynasties. So yeah, hammer the over on, on North Dakota state. Well, and I'm sure we will talk about them, but the two guys that I'm sure will get brought up are absolutely two of the biggest winners from this All-Star Game yeah. circuit as well. Um, uh, but before we even get to that, I think we, you know, we need to start every podcast. I think this would be fun every week um, to just do a quick, a quick temperature check of where, where are you at with that guy, number twelve, Aaron Rodgers, that may play quarterback for this team, may not. Because if you go back to the end of the game, you know, the end of the San Francisco game, I have never felt more defeated as a fan. And I think a lot of Packer fans probably relate to that. Um, but as time has gone on, you know, kind of how do we feel? Um, before that game, it was 99%. Aaron Rodgers is coming back. He's going to be a Packer. And then that game happened. And then a lot of Packers fans and, you know, not even fans, I think media and people that just follow this team in general, we're very much like, is it time to rip off the Band-Aid? Is it time to do that? Um, should they do that? You know, should they do that even? Um, so I think that's an interesting thing to talk about. And it will be something that we talk about until it's not worth talking about anymore. But quickly, Jacob, what are where is, where is your temperature at with Aaron Rodgers right now? How are you feeling? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that. I said this earlier in the week, talking about trading him is almost, it's not quite a moot discussion because it's not all official yet, but it almost feels like everything that Packers fans say it was last year is what it feels like it is this year. Media drummed up nothing because it really feels like Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Every report that comes out makes it sound like he's coming back. I guess the only thing that maybe you could say is that he wants to just make sure he has an amicable departure. Um, but I think that the Packers are going to have Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback and having any discussion to the contrary is either a moot point or something drummed up for interest like that Titans crap that came out last week or just something of that sort. I just don't think that it's going to be something that's, that's worth talking about for very long. He'll be the quarterback of the Packers. I know you were talking about people that said it's time. I was one of those. And I said, I would trade him. But it's also not my job on the line. So I completely understand why Gutekunst and LaFleur and Ball and even Mark Murphy to some degree want want him back in Green Bay's back to back league MVP. You know, and I know that hasn't worked out for winning a Super Bowl the last two years, but 
typically you're going to bet on that guy and have that be on your side. Now that'll lead to some questions about the Jordan Love process and did you really trust that and blah, but uh, who cares? If Rodgers yeah. is good for the next three years, then it just doesn't matter. And whoever Green Bay would have picked at 26 when they moved up to pick Jordan Love, I strongly doubt would be the difference between them having played in the Super Bowl each of the last two seasons. And you could say that maybe it would, and there's a fair argument to be had there. As far as the drama and all that other crap, I'm just thankful it's going to be a short-term thing because by May, I was over everything last year. Um, and this year, I'm just thankful it's not going to be a 10-week, three-month type of performance, hopefully at least, from the quarterback because – I'm just not in the in the business of begging a player to come back to Green Bay because I just like one of the biggest reasons the Packers aren't playing on Super Bowl Sunday is because he stunk in the biggest game yeah. of the season. He stunk. So that's where I'm at on that. But he'll be back. I think he will, too. I'm pretty confident that he'll be back. And I think at the end of the season, I was down. You know, if you listen to this podcast a couple of weeks ago, I was pretty down. I was pretty honest with how I was feeling about this team and the future of this team and stuff. And you know, I don't, I don't, I don't regret feeling that way. I don't regret feeling that way. And I think a lot of me, I'm just, I guess I'm just ready for whatever, you know, I think I tweeted it a few weeks ago where I just said, you know what, if they want to bring Rogers back, I think they have the ability to run it back again. And their mindset is, and probably honestly probably should be that if they can get a lot of these core pieces back, they get to the playoffs again, you know, that's all you can really ask for. And then you're just hoping the ball bounces your way a couple of times different or, or bounces differently next year. Because if you don't have Tom Brady on your team, for whatever reason, he has found the magic formula for winning Super Bowls and getting there um, and making the ball bounce his way. If you don't have that, you are pretty much in the same boat. And what's interesting to me is, is living in, living in Kansas city. I think a lot of chiefs fans are starting to realize Damn, it's How really hard, hard to win a Super is. Bowl. Yep. Um, you know, for the last four years, you know, they 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 won it in Pat's second year, and it pretty much was, wow, we're going to go do this every year. This is going to be great. We're going to have a great time. We're going to win the next 15 Super Bowls. And they haven't won again. You know, granted, it's only been, what, two years, but still. Two and two are conference title games, though. Yep. I mean, if you look at it, yep. I mean, this isn't a bash the Chiefs show because I, no, I love no, no. Pat and I love those guys. But I just, just want – yeah, and I just want one playoff game where the Packers have both of their starting tackles to play in a in a big playoff game against one of these imposing fronts that you inevitably run into. Because, Jake, I think you said this to me. You can make a good argument that David Bakhtiari's injury has cost the Packers a trip to each of the last two this year and last year's Super Bowl. Uh, because he just wasn't able to go for a lot of, you know, a lot of different reasons. Last year, a freak injury. This year, just not able to get over that hump. He said he didn't have any long-term concern. Matt LaFleur said the same thing. But I would like to see David Bakhtiari and Billy Turner line up at left and right tackle for next year's playoff game if and when the Packers are fortunate enough to play in one. Would be nice. Would be nice to get your all-pro offensive lineman to the finish line for the first time in three years. Uh, next year. So um, yeah, we'll see about that. But you know, the other two options are, you know, Rogers retires. That would probably be the worst one or you trade them and you move on with love and you take your King's bounty and you try to build it again. 
Um, I think it's easy to see why the, the team would want to bring him back just because he's a two-time MVP. He's going to put butts in seats. And if you're listening to this podcast or if you're big nerds like us, you probably think about this team way more than 90% of the fan base. 90% of this fan base, uh, percent of the people that are probably you know driving revenue for this Packers organization, do not think about this team in the same capacity that, that we do. They don't really care who – the quarterback is as long as they're winning games they don't really care about any of that they're still gonna go to lambeau field they're gonna buy jerseys they're gonna buy drinks they're gonna put butts in the seats and that's ultimately what i think a lot of people you know especially like guys like mark murphy that is a major concern of theirs and as it should be because that's his job um so i get i get all of those fronts but jake let's move on um we have got so the packers have a new special teams coordinator this was made official today i believe his name is pronounced rich is it rich or rick rick Bisacci? it's rich it's rich Bisaccia. rich so i didn't get either of them right nice you're not a, and you are not italian i can very much tell that Bis, neither yeah, am Bis- i but Bisaccia. yeah no that's my uh northern accent coming out yeah so Obviously, so a quick rundown on him, though. You know, obviously, a lot of people know who he is because he is the guy that came in for John Gruden um, after all of that. And he basically, you know, he he righted that ship, you know, given the circumstances that were going on in L.A. After all of that, I think a lot of people really just expected that team to crash and burn. And they didn't. They did not at all. He kept that team afloat. He kept them steering in the right direction. And a lot of the guys on that team were really sad to see him go. And I think when you talk about Matt LaFleur and you talk about what he wants to bring to this team outside of wins and a winning culture, I think he gets to that um, by really kind of like a holistic approach as a coach. Um, It's not just about football. It's about, you know, what are your mentals? How are you doing? Like, I, I care about you as a person. And I think I think Rich is that type of coach. Um, from everything that I have heard about him as, as a man. And, you know, on top of all of that, the one clip I saw today of him coaching on the sidelines, and it's it's so odd, but I think a lot of people can resonate with just watching. It was him just counting to 11, counting 11 guys on the field <laughs> as a coach. And I think our, our the podfather here, Andy Herman, said it best. Just give us competence. You know, for Rich coming into this team, Jacob, he does not need to have a top 10 unit to be considered a wild success. And let me ask you, this team this team finishes special teams ranking next year, bottom half of the league, 19. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about Rich coming in and turning this special teams unit into a top 20 unit? Would that be good? Well, they were ranked 37th this year, I'm pretty sure, in the NFL. So, and thank you to all the Twitter mathematicians that told me when I made that joke that there are only 32 teams. Yes, I'm aware. <laughs> but, yeah, they were terrible. And Basaccia coming – here's the thing with Basaccia. When people point out, like, oh, his average ranking is, like, 17th. Okay, yeah. I understand that's not the greatest, but he has a track record of success elsewhere. And if – Ross said it earlier, if Green Bay is ranked 17th in special teams, they're playing this Sunday. So what are we even debating about here in terms of everything? I know people always like to think they're the smartest person in the room when something becomes the obvious thing. But like sometimes the obvious thing is the right thing to do. There's a reason Matt LaFleur targeted this guy and wanted him right away. Now, granted, should they even be in this position? 
No, because they should have hired Darren Rizzi two years ago when they had him in the building and then gave him a low money offer that wasn't enough to get him uh, to sign on and do the job. If he does, maybe they've won a championship by now. Maybe they're playing for one on Sunday. Who knows? But what I do know is, like you said, everybody said all season, I just need competence from Mo Drayton's group. Well, nothing says incompetence like playing with 10 out of a timeout on a season-ending field goal. Like the way that I heard it, Bill Huber said it on his Head of Pack podcast when he was talking about it with Schneidman. He's like, only the season on the line. That's it. That's the only thing that's on the line with this field goal. Just the season, and God knows what happens after this season with everything. And they only had 10 guys on the freaking field. After, you would think there would be a heightened sense of focus after a blocked punt that basically, not basically, it did. It tied the game, turned the tide of the game entirely. And that's something that, that's where when people say, oh, is it the players or is it the coach? Well, those things I just said, that is 100% on the coach. Not having 11 guys on the field, not having the guys knowing what they're doing, and not having a heightened sense of awareness after a disaster. Because bad special teams plays happen. You name it. For The Baltimore Ravens have had a punt block. Like They're the best special teams for the last 10 years. It happens sometimes. But that's just the way that things go. Basaccia coming in is going to at least give this team some sense of respect for the coach that they have and and get that opportunity going here. So I want to welcome a celebrity uh, to the group here because he has graced us with his presence. Ladies and gentlemen, the publisher of Packer Report and Bison Report and a bunch of other places that you guys have probably heard of as well, Mr. Ross Uglum. So, Ross, we were talking about the hiring of Rich Bisaccia. What do you think that does or moving the needle as far as our the Packers special teams unit goes? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, you know, I think it's important to, you know, kind of temper expectations in the sense of, you know, Basaccia has always kind of, I think, Dusty said, over 20 years he has a .3 positive DVOA or some sort of advanced statistic. Um, he's he's dead. He's been dead average. You know, over the course of his career, he's 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 had, you know, units that have been eighth, and he's had units that have been 24th, and he's had units that have been 16th, and, and I think you know, I think you always hope that he can maybe catch lightning in a bottle, get the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth best unit in the league. But competence, folks, is what we're looking for here. Uh, having 11 guys instead of 10 on field goal block, maybe only having a field goal blocked or a punt blocked and not and. <laughs> 
Basically. I forgot about the field goal block. That's how long that game's been. God, I completely forgot true. they had a field I goal block. I blocked that out. Competency. And and like I, I halfway jokingly said, you know, um, get these guys to uh, the 17th ranked special teams unit in the league instead of 32nd. And you can put him next to Curly and Vince as far as I'm concerned, especially uh, if it ends up being a, a uh, world championship. I I, I asked Jacob this, and I'll ask you this too, Ross. So let's say Rich comes in next year, and the Green Bay Packers unit is the nineteenth, the nineteenth ranked special teams unit in the NFL. On a level of one to ten, how jazzed are you? Nine, eight, nine. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, that's up thirteen spot. Because I, I mean, I would love to look at like who the nineteenth ranked special teams unit in the league is, but I would guess I mean, maybe their fans complain here and there. But I would just guess that like they don't feel like their season ended because of special teams, or they don't feel like they have games lost because of special teams. You know, Rogers, I, I think at least publicly, is is been a good leader, and you saw him like break basically in the post game press conference after the 49ers. He just said, "I wish we'd make a play and give up a play, make a play and give up a play." I wish special teams was a wash, and for him to actually like put blame on a side of the ball that wasn't the offense is rare. It was correct, but it doesn't mean it wasn't rare. And that's kind of where I'm at, where if you have the the, the quarterback actually calling out the special teams and just praying for a wash, like just pray that if they do something great, you do something great, or nobody does something great. You know, that you're averaging eight yards of return and they're averaging 12 yards of return. I'm talking punts, no kicks get blocked and no crazy stuff happens on kickoff, if you're the Green Bay Packers and you like your defense, you like your offense, it probably means you're going to win the game. And, you know, for them to go 13-4 and four with the 32nd-ranked special teams unit, you wonder, is that like a 15-2 and two club if the if the special teams unit is ranked 19th? Maybe. And Could you be also in the 19th-ranked special teams unit last year, Tennessee, just so you guys are wondering. So I don't know. Yeah. I didn't see many. I don't know many Titan fans. I don't no. think they were complaining too much about the special teams unit. So 19th sounds okay to me. Yeah, I think not... with, with special ahead. teams, it's either really good, really bad, and then just everyone else. And I right. I think right. what the consensus is, is we're fine with just being everyone else. Like, can we just yep. be everyone else? Here, let me, and, I'm going to effort something here. Um, because I felt like in 2010 – the Packers special teams were just kind of everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, I'm going to find out if I was wrong. Oh, I don't know. Cause Mr. Connolly running for 70 some odd yards against that kick return team sure feels like they weren't just uh-huh. everyone else, 20, but that could. So, so get this 26th in special teams, DVOA 22nd in weighted DVOA, which takes your kind of nuts. It takes your special teams, uh, you know, difficulty of schedule and, and skews the, the ranking a little bit more, but that's, that's what I'm talking about right there is weighted DVOA of 22nd. Now you're at least out of the trash. You're, you're, you're out of the embarrassment. You're out of, you know, oh, my God, this is terrible because I don't 2021. Remember, you know, I, I don't remember anything outside of, you know, po- like basically post Patriots. I don't remember a hugely terrible special teams moment from the Bears regular season game from the Giants regular season game that they had to win. And for many of the four playoff games, I just, I don't remember an, Oh my God, special teams moment. 
And that's kind of Rodgers' point is like, we think we're good enough on offense and defense to win if the special teams doesn't absolutely ruin our day. And yeah. they did. And they did. And yeah, the only, I mean, that you were talking about weighted DVOA. That's a 2010 team that played Devin Hester thrice once in a playoff game and nothing bad happened anytime they, and they kicked to Hester in those games. So that I'm was currently having nightmares of the 20, 2021 Packers covering Devin Hester. Yeah. That I'm was all oh my about God. That. Yeah. I'm thankful <laughs> well, they didn't have to face Cordero Patterson. I I'm just thinking of, so that 2010 team, the only other special teams blunder that I can think of that sticks out to me is at the end of the regular season Atlanta game where it was it was it Mike Wilhelm face mask to the 50. Oh, and that was like in the middle of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What a he's uh, he's very prominently featured in the. I uh, wish I could remember important things, guys. <laughs> he was very prominently featured in the America's game of the 2010 Packers episode. He gives the speech right before the Bears game starts. So Jake, Jeez. you clearly don't watch that enough. Oh, I tell you no, what. I don't. I bet Matt Wilhelm was not thinking he was going to get a shout out uh, here on the Pack a Day podcast. Hey, that's Super Bowl <laughs> champion Matt Wilhelm to it you, Ross. <laughs> Let's get it. If he, if he ever wants to come on, he, he's welcome. But fellas, we are already at 22 minutes, and we still need to get into we need to get into the the meat and potatoes here of what we are going to talk about today, and that is the the All Star Game. Okay, the All Star Games, I should say, because. Um, it's, I think it's actually pretty exciting what they got going on in Las Vegas um, with our, our buddy, our guy, Owen Reese, part of that for the East-West Shrine game. Um, so we're, gonna, we're going to uh, we're going to encapsulate all of that, you know, both of those, the, the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl. And I want to hear from you guys first. I just want to hear who are three guys who you think really helped themselves this week or maybe three guys that stood out to you in a way that you're like, wow, I think I would really like to watch them play for the Green Bay Packers. And Jacob, um, let's go ahead and start with you. Well, I don't mean to steal all your guys' thunder, but Christian, why? (laughs) (laughs) Dang, I knew it. He's all over my timeline, guys, and it's not just Ross Uglum and Jacob Morley saying Christian Watson. So uh, that tells me that there are people other than just the North Dakota Staters that are looking at everything. And and last year, you know, it was interesting. You go through some of the guys and how they want to see them in different spots. And I know, Jake, you were down towards Mobile last year. And, Ross, I think you were there as well, if memory serves. Um, Oh, boy, you're giving me the look, so maybe not. But, you know, you get guys like Nico Collins and, and players like that just kind of playing in some different spots. So it's, it's interesting to see that the quarterback situation, that doesn't really apply to Green Bay. But it was interesting to see how most of your top guys were kind of in the area. But, yeah, Christian Watson was a, a name who it's just like he does everything. Uh, you can line him up wherever you want in the formation. You can hand him the ball in the backfield. You can just do things that – are gadgety and you can do things that are receivery, which is something green Bay could use both of those things. Um, I say this with, you know, the, the trepidation of you fall in love with a guy too early kind of thing. And then everybody kind of falls in love with mm-hmm. them. And, you know, the, the mock drafts have all the same players in them eventually, whether you read a Packers one or a bears one or go down the line, but yeah, Watson is, is definitely the guy who stood out the most, but I'll let you guys kind of explain why that well, happened. I do. Oh, I want to. I want to say this about Watson really quick, and and Rock, because Ross, we I've talked about this with you, with about Christian. And, you were offended that he could run routes. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> like, so because even I mean, guys, 
guys that I, I write about the draft with it and stuff, I try to, to temper my enthusiasm about NDSU guys. So when they would talk to me about Christian Watson, my basic response was he is an, he's an alien one. He's an alien type athlete that's still learning how to play wide receiver. And a lot of that, I think, was just because NDSU didn't really ask him to do anything other than, hey, jet sweep, nine route, touchdown, touchdown. And it's it's tough to disagree with them because they win everything every year, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's it's just a really interesting case study. But when I saw the, the, type, the type of flexibility and balance that he's running these in-breaking routes with in, in Mobile – I was floored, Ross. I didn't know. And this is a guy that I have watched play a lot of football over the last four years. I was floored with the type of nuance he was run, that he he was displaying within his entire route tree. So, Ross, talk to us about that. Is that something that you knew that he had in his toolbox? Or how did you feel kind of when you you saw him doing some of that stuff? This is hard for me because like there, there's a very big part of me that wants to jump up and down and, and get on the, I told you so train, because you know me, Jake, I've never said anything but top 100 for Christian. And yep. by the way, we're moving our way towards top 60. Yep. Um, I, I actually uh, did a mock draft simulation today Um and I ended up taking Drake London, who I don't think will be there at 28, but I ended up taking him at 28. And the opportunity to double up with Drake London and Christian Watson was taken from me as he went one pick before me. Uh, TDN has Christian Watson as, I think, like their 83rd overall player. Um, and, and I'm not sure where that ranks him as far as wide receivers are concerned. But, you know, there's legitimate second-round buzz for this kid. And, and ultimately, you know – you have to give credit and take away credit from NDSU, in my opinion, as far as this prospect is concerned, because I was there when he was a freshman. I was there when he was a redshirt freshman and he couldn't get on the field despite being the best athlete, period, on the team. And again, we're talking about FCS. We're talking about a top 60 player in this year's draft, for sure a top 100 player. And he couldn't get on the field as not a true freshman, couldn't get on the field as a redshirt freshman. Uh, Packers fans may remember Darius Shepard getting all those snaps in front of him, but could not get on the field even in three wide receiver sets, played very, very sparingly, and then really turned into the guy that he would become once Trey Lance took over uh, in Fargo. And and then you you just didn't see much from him from, from a nuance standpoint because he's 6'4", 210, and probably is going to run a 4-3-5. And, and so you had a lot of the eight-yard stops with, with guys scared of his fade release, deep posts, go balls, smoke routes, slant and go, Dover and go. He just wasn't routing up, routing guys up because why would you need him to route guys up? Plus, as you guys have seen, as Jacob mentioned, the gadget stuff. You know, everybody thinks of a gadgety wide receiver as Amari Rogers, Randall Cobb, somebody that size, a little bit of a running back build. Definitely not taller than 6'1". C-Dub is a legit 6'4", and NDSU used him on end-arounds, used him on handoffs, tunnel screens, you name it. This idea that he was just routing guys up in Fargo is, is not the case. However, as we saw in Mobile, something he's capable of. Yeah, exciting, exciting stuff from, from that young man. So uh, 
I would pay great money, a great deal of money to just have a, a camera on the Uglum estate if Christian Watson was drafted by the Packers. We might, we may see, if that happens, Ross's soul may leave his body. So <laughs> well, I got to wonder, Ross, when's the last time they picked that guy for Because, like, I remember Harold Landry or, jo- well, Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson, <laughs> which was. <laughs> that didn't uh, go that, so good. It's a, it's a painful memory. But, yeah, I mean. Uh, you know, like when we were doing from the benches, we had no possible thought process that, um, you know, haha Clinton Dix would be there. They had yeah. a crazy need at safety. And I think that was really the last time that fans like rejoiced over that first round pick because people were still kind of, oh, really, about Jair. Um, a lot of, oh, really, about Rashawn. We all turned out to be super wrong about that. And then ultimately, um, you know, the cosmic disaster that was Packers Twitter when they took Jordan Love, it's been a while since they took that dude. Now, I will tell you this. If they take Christian Watson at 1-28, there's going to be a lot of huh (laughs) going on. But, man, um, if they trade down and take him in the 40s, trade up from 60 and take him in the high 50s, I'm going to be doing backflips down Trent Jones Boulevard, baby. (laughs) That's where I live. Well, I still think, I mean, not to be pour water on that, but just I was looking at something from the Jordan Love draft where it was Daniel Jeremiah talking about the Packers and DJ. It's pretty close, you know, as far as guys that write in the industry. uh, If Daniel Jeremiah says something, uh, that usually perks my interest a little bit more just because I know he is actually decently connected to the Packers. But one thing he said is just like, this team will not take a receiver in the first round. That's not how they operate. Um, as he mocked it, a receiver through the pack. As he did. He, well, it was, it was, it was Visca. He mocked Visca. Uh, and that's, that was kind of his point. It was like, but Visca is not really just a receiver. Christian Watson, maybe not just really a receiver. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so let, let's, let's, since now we're at 30 I'll minutes. We, I, I don't mean to interrupt. I will say this. Watson and MVS outside with Devontae work in the middle is whoo that those are some dogs on the outside because neither Christian or MVS are going to run south of a or north of a 4 4 40. You're going to have miles of open space for Bob Tanyan and Devontae to operate if you were ever to pair C dub with, with MVS. Would be fun. Would be fun for Jordan Love to throw some of those passes to those guys. Right. Yeah. Am I right, we just, already, we just talked about that, Jake. Jordan Love's never uh, starting a game for this Packers probably. team that doesn't involve a positive COVID test. Uh, probably not. But, all right. Well, okay. So, I said three guys, but Christian Watson just took 15 minutes. So, I'm going to – let's just keep it at one guy. So, Dorf, that was your guy, Christian Watson. Great choice. Great choice there, Uh I actually specifically did not take any NDSU players because I knew that they'd probably get snatched up. Um, but Ross, uh, give me give me one guy uh, that really stood out to you this last week. Someone that uh, you would be excited to watch play for the Packers. And Zion Johnson, um, you know, and, and I think it's that one's a tough one because I think from a cost perspective and from. Um, you know, like a future perspective, I think the Packers really probably feel like they have uh, the interior figured out. Some combination of Runyon, Elton, Myers, and Royce is probably going to be the future. So talking about, you know, um, 
how much I love Zion Johnson might be, uh, you know, uh, episode in futility. But if you think Royce can play right tackle, and I don't love him at guard, <laughs> but if you think Royce can play right tackle, maybe Zion Johnson can be part of the future inside because he's awesome. He's got that great guard build and ultimately was just a guy I was impressed with all week. Uh, and I said Zion Johnson because I didn't want to say Cordell Olson. Ah, man, I didn't take Cordell Olson because I thought you were going to. But oh. <laughs> I, but but honestly, you, let's just talk about either of those guys, right? Because I think with, with, with Royce at right guard, he might be someone that the Packers really like. He might be, you know, he might have had a, a, a nice rookie year. But Royce Newman is not the reason you don't take uh, a Zion Johnson if he's sitting there at 28 and he's your best player on the board. You take him and and you figure it out with Royce. And and maybe Royce is your a, a backup guy that can play left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. Great. Those are valuable guys, as we know, in Green Bay. But Zion feels very much very much like a Packer because of his versatility. Um, I don't love him at tackle, but I, I would be okay with him in a pinch at tackle. If you go back to 2021, two years ago, his tackle stuff is bad, like pretty rough. Guard. Or, but or, he, center. But or center. But he's, he's guard, guard or center. Yep. And But Packers love that type of versatility. Um, but then with like Cordell Volson too, the, the NDSU tackle, going to probably kick in and play guard in the NFL – that is that is a Green Bay Packers offensive lineman to a T. You know, a guy that's going to uh, maybe not have all the elite measurables for a tackle that then you can then kick in to play guard. And they've had a ton of success with guys like that. You go back to, and think of um, Josh Josh Sitton was that type of guy. T.J. Lang was that type of guy. John Runyon Jr. was that type of guy. Royce Newman was that guy. I mean, there are just so many guys. That is that is their model of success. Um, and I think both of those guys, and this isn't an NDSU podcast, but I'm going to talk about <laughs> Cordell in that way, just because I think he, he is he is a Packer. Like hey, I, I say Packers this. fans would love that dude. Both guys, both guys probably rose a hundred spots on the average board based on what they did at the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl. So people can say, "Oh, the two North Dakota idiots keep going on and on about the Bison." You talk about risers, both guys went from that 250 range. And I, I'm not saying like, oh, I saw everywhere. PFF had Watson unranked. Volson was in the high, high hundreds for PFF. Um, I don't think Scouts Inc., which is Todd McShay, had Volson. And Watson was 253. So we were talking about guys that moved up at least 100 spots. So it is what it is. I'm interested to watch Cordell in a training camp environment and in a preseason environment because he is six foot seven and it's a legit six foot seven. He's a high school basketball player with great feet. You sometimes worry about pad level at guard at six, seven, not a ton of six foot seven guards, but boy, did he dominate in Vegas? Yeah. And uh, to go with that, I wish I would have taken a screenshot because I remember. So I think, I believe TDN had Christian Watson in the two hundreds just a week ago and he's up. 253 was a, That was McShay, right? That was McShay. I think that was pretty normal for a lot of people, which um, is wild to me because Christian Watson was wide receiver one for a top five quarterback last year. Like I don't, I don't necessarily understand where the whole where did this guy come from? In general, though, what happens is like you don't see those teams on TV like every single week. So it's not it's not Ohio State, it's not Clemson. So it's like we're almost and that that's us, that's whoever. 
you're almost more prone to underrate the small school guys just because it's a natural bias against, you know, this guy is playing for Alabama who's playing against Georgia. Whereas North right. Dakota state guy is playing against, I, I don't, I couldn't even name some of the teams they play against to be a hundred percent honest with you, but that's not a knock on them. That's just yeah. the way that the way that I think people watch it. And, and I understand it to at least a point from a, from a very basic scouting level, as far as the North Dakota thing that you guys are talking about, remember it wasn't the North Dakota guy that brought him up. So right. it's yeah. not, it's not True. just uh, it's not just that. Um, and I'm just going to throw in some love real quick for Jeremy Ruckert, which is hard to do. Since he's oh, you son of a gun. That was my guy, Jacob. That's literally who I was going to bring up. That was mine. Oh, then you go don't ahead. get I'm to sorry. pick him. Nope. Go ahead. Oh, you ruined it. No, man. Oh, dude. I, but remember I love... at the top of the show when you said we all talk to each other like way too much too individually? Much. This is proof. <laughs> too much. Dude, Jeremy Ruckert. What? I mean, he's fun. He, he is a fun Stick your I, nose in the gotta, dirt, type tight end. Out here, but <laughs> I think they're literally going to lock me in the building. Um, yeah, Ross is still in the NDSU <laughs> stadium right now. I can see the bleachers behind you. So, Hashtag dedicated. I can't tell you what opponent it was, but I watched Rucker, and I watched four plays, and in two of the four plays, and this was the like opening four plays he was on the field, Faces in turf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like – his film reminds me of Tommy Tremble mm-hmm. and Dalton Schultz. I think he's a, a little bit of a different player. But, like, when you get the real, real blocking hardos out there, uh, you know, frothing of the mouth over tight ends, that's Ruckert. But I actually think Ruckert has some receiving chops. Yes. I, I like him as a Kittle type. Like, maybe not he's the freak athlete, but a legitimate first down run blocker. No disrespect, Bob, Tanya, but a legitimate first down run blocker that can affect the passing game. Peace, brothers, and go Pat go. Yes, sir. Yeah, about Rucker, real quick, since Ross brought that up, is like the Buckeyes don't use their tight ends that way. For the most part, they are just kind of run blockers in that power run zone. I know that is kind of like conflicting, but they they run like a power zone scheme, and they use their tight ends as blockers. I mean, how many guys have you seen come through – and then when they do get to the NFL, they do have some upside in the mm-hmm. passing game. And I think Ruckert might have more upside in the passing game than some of the guys that have been through there in years past. And the Packers, I mean, they're in the market for both types of tight ends, pass catchers and, you know, Mercedes Lewis might retire. You know, that's why they signed Elise Mack today yeah. to a futures contract. You know, Mercedes Lewis might be on his last legs. You just never know how that's going to go. And Ruckert is somebody, like you said, if you add him to this room, with Josiah DeGuara as your long-term tight end H-back stuff type options that they have. Because right now, I mean, you figure Tunyon, we've all, we all keep talking about him like he's going to be back. I anticipate him being back on like a pillow contract. Yep. And then Mercedes Lewis, those are short-term guys though. So they need mm-hmm. a long-term type of tight end. I think Matt LaFleur is going to love, you know, you talk about frothing at the mouth about tight ends blocking. That is 100% Matt LaFleur. Well, I think LaFleur would love to have a guy that can do everything. You know, and that's what I think Rucker could potentially be. And, you know, Ross took a lot of my talking points about Rucker, what I was going to say. Uh, but coming coming into this this week, um, Rucker and Trey McBride were the my two top rated tight ends that I have watched so far. Mm-hmm. And I still like don't get me wrong. I still like Trey McBride. Um, but I think Ruckert's ceiling is just so much higher after watching those guys right next to each other. I think Ruckert's just got his hips. Hips are a lot looser. 
Um, I think he's, which I, I think, you know, lends him to the ability, you know, the ability to be a more complete route runner. And I think he does have more athleticism than McBride. I, th- I do. I think McBride is a more sound blocker than Ruckert. And we talk about Ruckert putting face masks in the dirt. And don't get me wrong, he 100% does that. But he is very much like a knockout punch type blocker, and he will whiff at times. Um, and like it, it, it reminds me of like Trey Smith. I know, I know they play different positions, but Trey Smith coming out of Tennessee last year as a blocker played really well for the Chiefs his rookie year. He is a knockout blow type blocker. Like he wants to put you on your backside, but that does come with something. Sometimes you miss, sometimes you whiff. Um, but I just would, I love the idea of getting Rucker into Green Bay, um, it would probably have to be a day two pick second or third round. Um, and if it's a third round pick, you know, he's going to suck. So hopefully it's not, you know, it's either second or fourth, hopefully for the Packers. Yeah. Uh, let me but- establish a rule here while we go through this, because we're going to go through the draft process together. The three of us, my philosophy for the Packers for the third round moving forward should be just pick a running back. Yeah. And I know they don't quote unquote need one, but it's just so hard for a running back to bust. And I just want to see a third round pick that doesn't suck. And when's the last time they Straight picked a guy in the third round that Deguara? I mean, Deguara doesn't suck, but you know, he's, eh, all, right. he's, he's all, right. all right. Like, when's the last time they had a third round pick that you're like, I mean, I covered a draft that their third round, I believe, was Kyrie Thornton. And then Ooh. I don't remember if Richie Rogers was a third round comp pick or if he was a fourth rounder, but I think he was a third. And Richard, and like, Richard Rogers is part of one of the most iconic plays in the history of the franchise. But other than that, like, big whoop. <laughs> like it's man, it's I can't. Uh, James Jones was the third round Shit. pick. Yeah, he was, and that was a long time ago. Um, I'm trying to like Jermichael Finley was a third rounder, but that was also quite a while ago. That was yeah. But I mean, like you said it. Goody has not hit a third round pick. Hasn't Goody hit. hasn't hit a pick past round two? Well, not save really. for Marquez Valdez Scantling. Not really. Uh, John Runyon. I mean, there's a couple, but yeah, and that that's actually a really interesting conversation. Not for today, but that might be something we can get into later. Is because Goody is like the opposite of Ted Thompson. Hits the big ones. His, hits the big ones. Not so much in the later rounds, but um, that's really, guys. That is really all the time we got for that. That was a really fun episode with Ross coming in in the stadium, and uh, I think you guys can kind of just see the excitement that we have. Um, for the draft moving forward, it is it is something really fun to talk about, um, and and we will have plenty plenty of coverage and plenty of guys um, for us to nerd out on as this draft season unfolds. Um, we'll pick our guys like we always do, um, and and all that stuff leading up till April. Hopefully, this year's April, especially draft night, is a lot less dramatic than it was last year. Um, and all signs indicate that it will be. Uh, thanks to Ross and Jacob for joining. As always, go Pack Go.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.